Welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Matt Leader. And I'm Craig Dickinson. Today on the show, we are looking at Thor Ragnarok. As you guys know, Thor Love and Thunder is right around the corner. And so we figured now would be an excellent time to go back and look at Thor 3, essentially, uh, as it's directed by Taika Waititi and the new film is by Taika Waititi. So we can pretty much assume that we have kind of a primer for the new film based on this one. So Matt, what are your thoughts, your overall thoughts on Thor Ragnarok? Well, I, I got to say that Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite Marvel films. I don't think that's a very controversial statement. I think it's a pretty beloved film for those who like the the Marvel uh, cinematic movies. And uh, so for me, it was more of kind of like a question of like, why? Like, why does this kind of resonate so well with with audiences? There were a couple of things that it kind of popped out to me. First, I think there's actually quite a nice setup and payoff and balance between both kind of the silly and what we kind of come to expect from the superhero genre of films. The, I don't want to quite say serious, but kind of the superhero heroics, uh, especially towards the end of the movie. But uh, that's that's the big thing overall that I, I kind of noticed this time was there's quite a, a decent kind of call and response throughout the whole film. Uh, you have all these different characters, um, like Loki gets his moment in the sunshine towards the end, uh, you know, fighting and, and coming back to save the Asgardians. But he still does it with his own, you know, kind of flair. Um, you got uh, Hulk, Bruce Banner. They have their moment. Um, Hela, Heimdall, uh, Tessa Thompson uh, as the Valkyrie, like everyone kind of has their own little moment of like both like silliness and, and goofiness and funniness, but also with that heroics. And I I just think that that movie is like well-balanced from that perspective of allowing the actors to shine and giving people, giving each of the people their own uh, room to breathe within the film. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, um, it's funny in researching this film, I found that the Taika Waititi had actually, when he pitched uh, uh, Marvel on on being able to do this film, that he wanted said he wanted to make it kind of like Big Trouble in Little China, which I love that film, and that film also strikes several balances in between comedy, horror, action. It's all over the place, and. Uh, but also it's successful in that. Like it doesn't, you know, there's some films where they, what's the tone? I can't tell where this film's at. It, you know, hits all those things. And Ragnarok does too. And, you know, it's a good point that it is one of easily one of the funniest movies, but it's also fairly dark in places and it's earned in both of those things. You kind of need that levity. I mean, Thor loses an eye for crying out loud. You know, Odin dies. Lots of people die in horrific ways, but you also have, you know, these moments uh, you know, of just straight out comedy, like buddy comedy kind of mixed in to kind of balance those things out. And I also, I love the, the, the uh, inclusion of the Hulk in this. My, my one gripe is that I wish I wouldn't have seen that in the trailer because that reveal, like if someone had not seen it, because you really don't know who it's going to be. And then that door opens up and it's, you know, the incredible Hulk. And it's such a, you know, if you could take that journey with Thor where he's like psyching himself up and then he has that relief um, how much cooler would that have been to not uh, to not have that spoiled? 
Um, but it, I mean, it's a great film. I, I really enjoy it. It's also, I think another thing that makes it um, a very popular film is that it really is kind of like a reboot of the series in a lot of ways and of the character, you know, even in some very tangible ways, like he's got a new haircut and he loses his hammer. Um, he's got the eye patch, loses the planet. So it like kind of resets a lot of things for Thor. And so it like, it works, I think like a really good entry point for a lot of people too. So I was kind of curious because I know you are, I like, honestly, I, I do enjoy uh, all three Thor movies. I, I think the second one's the weakest of the three. Uh, I think this is the best, but I think one holds up just fine on its own. I know you're a big fan of the first Thor movie. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, essentially kind of being a soft reboot of the character. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Yeah, it, it never bothered me. I mean, there are certain things, you know, I was. we'll get to this when we get to the music, but now it's a good time as any, that they even, when Thor sits down in the chair at the end and kind of takes his rightful place as King of Asgard, they play his theme from the beginning of the first Thor movie when he's about to be crowned. And so it's it's a reboot in the sense that we've kind of started over for him, but not in the way that we've junked everything else. Like everything else matters, you know, it's not like we're forgetting all those things and throwing them away. It is kind of a natural progression for him. And so, yeah, I, I it didn't bother. It never bothered me. Oh no, he doesn't have his hammer. Therefore this movie's horrible or what have you, you know, it did, it did feel like, yeah, this, this is a natural progression. It did get rid of some things that we wouldn't have thought. Like when Asgard is destroyed, it's like, Oh, I didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, but it's also kind of a natural outcropping of, of the movie. I mean, it's called Ragnarok. It's supposed to be their apocalypse and and it, it happens. Yeah. I do think that that's actually probably the most interesting, like for the whole movie, the ending, how Ragnarok actually does happen is, is, is the most interesting part because it's total, you know, subversion of expectations. When you go into a superhero movie, you kind of expect them to defeat the bad guy and they do. Um, I forget the the big fire creature's name. Who? Yes, Surtur. Suit. Yes, Suter or whatever. Yeah, he he is defeated, but then they intentionally unleash him on Asgard, and I think that's. I you know I didn't it didn't strike me as much as it did this time how odd that is for them to basically blow up a planet on purpose, and. But, you know, that's that's how they defeat Hela. That's how they get out of the, the mess. So, like, I think that's also, it's like, it, it's interesting from that perspective of it's a bit of a deconstruction of the character and, like, building something new. But it's also a bit of a deconstruction and kind of meta-commentary on superhero films in general where they're blowing up the character, they're blowing up the world, they're blowing up everything and kind of starting fresh. I will say the one thing that felt the worst to me was the fact that all of Thor's friends kind of get killed like immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, yeah. just, they're basically, I mean, I can't even say they're glorified extras in the film. They're just extras. Yeah. They die as easily as any of the other cannon fodder. Right. And so coming from the other two Thor films where they have, uh, Lady Sif in particular has a little bit more to play, and you might say they're kind of B, maybe C characters. 
they get totally discarded. <laughs> yeah. And that feels, that's the only part that feels kind of um, not rushed, but just that's the, the, the one part that I feel like they wiped away. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Kind of getting rid of those characters, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to ask about that later. I didn't have that question too. I mean, like Hogan actually puts up a fight and still dies pretty quickly. But the rest of them, I mean, Sif's not even in the movie. Uh, and then what do you have? Volstag and I um, can't remember the, the one that Zachary Levi plays. Right. Um, but, but they die so. They're, yeah, Fandral. Uh, they're they're just gone. I mean, like maybe have them off planet. I don't know, somewhere else instead of killing them within 20 seconds. I mean, I guess you're trying to establish how much Hela is amazing and, and indestructible or whatever. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they're just yeah. like getting rid of them. It kind of feels like, you know, that scene in Revenge of the Sith when Palpatine is fighting Mace Windu and there's like two other Jedi there and the two other Je- Jedi just like die instantly. It's yeah, like- Yeah, Fisto goes down. Yeah, and it's just like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear. It. Yeah, I see that. So, I would yeah. say that's probably my biggest gripe with the film. Uh, I guess what TG didn't like those characters. So, <sighs> goodbye. I guess not. Uh, so, what about cinematography? Did you have anything that that jumped out to you in, in the cinematography field? You know, the um I there's kind of two things. The biggest for me was the use of color and uh just like the overall color palette. And this is something that I have found kind of interesting where uh, a lot of the Marvel films that are set on Earth are very washed out, very desaturated. They, they are not very vibrant films until Guardians of the Galaxy rolls around. And James Gunn kind of creates this film where it's almost technicolor, where there's a brightness and a vibrance. And this film really picks up and you know, runs with that same palette where uh, in particular, once they get off earth, uh, the the color palette is that same where uh, Sakaar, the trash planet is incredibly colorful. Mm-hmm. There's face paint, uh, just the garbage, the debris around uh, everything is, is, is so bright and colorful. And I think that's part of what makes the film pop a little bit. And and why I think it it stands out as one of the better Marvel films is that it has kind of an airiness, a lightness to it, uh, just from that color that adds to the film quite a bit. Yeah, and it's funny you even get that kind of, uh, there's like a meta commentary on that too about, you know, the room being red and white. Just pick a color. Ridiculous. It's it's very much aware that, that it's, you know, being very, it looks like a comic book panel in a lot of ways. Um, they had some some interesting things. I thought I always enjoy seeing, you know, the Thor on the left and Surtur's on the right. That kind of stuff is always fun. And there's one point Surtur's face fills like two thirds of the screen at the beginning. Uh, but there was a couple of great um, shots for scale that I really liked, and it was kind of repeated, uh, which was interesting. Where you have it first, you have um, when Hell is up on the throne. I think it's one of the very first times she's on the far left and she's like fifty feet above Scourge. Um, it's just mad. You get to see this massive room and it's, it's, they show the shot and they go back to Scourge's face and then they go back to this wide shot again. And it's really impressive uh, that you have her that much above him and that far away. And they do that again with the grandmaster, but 
it's in a scene where it's where lots of interesting things happening. This is right after the Hulk escapes. Uh, and you have Loki and Valkyrie walking through the hallway and they're kind of, they're flanked by some um, Sakarian warriors. And there's like a triangle happening as they're walking, uh, which is always cool to see the way that they've, they've set that up. Uh, and then what happens is that you, the camera rotates like vertically. So you can see that actually what you're looking at is the reflection. The camera pulls over the top and then you get to see this super wide shot grandmasters way up on the left, Loki and Valkyrie down on the right in this huge room. It's kind of repeated that same thing that you had um, with Hela. But I was like, you know, there are certain things where, you know, the, the cinematography doesn't stand out. It's like, it's just doing its job. It's very much just in service of the film. But there were a couple of these. I was like, okay, wow, somebody's showing off. You know, what is, what's the message here? What are we trying to get? And, you know, in both cases, I think you're getting just how much power both these characters have. Sure. Um, a couple other of my just favorite shots kind of randomly off the top of my head. Um, right after Hela gets hit with the lightning bolt towards the end of the film and Thor comes flying down, there's this kind of a great profile. It's like a side profile shot where you have Thor arcing down in the lightning and then all of the little minions, Hela's minions, like forming like a little pile and like reaching up. And there's this kind of nice diagonal balance, you know, rule of thirds balance with with Thor coming down and the, the minions coming up. And it reminded me of like uh, Adam and God in the Sistine Chapel, like both reaching out and, and it like you could freeze frame that and it'd be an awesome comic panel where it was like all this movement and action and it's kind of slow motion. Uh, and you got Led Zeppelin in the background and like, that's a great, great little moment there. Um, there are a couple interesting dolly shots too, where it's like the camera's on a track. Um, one of them, when Thor is first meeting the Grandmaster, you have the uh, Willy Wonka moment when he's in like the tunnel of light and you got the, it sounds like a youngish person, kid talking. You know, welcome to Sakaar and all that kind of stuff. And um, you have, I want to say, I don't know what the song is, but it's got the Willy Wonka music, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that it's it's like a dolly shot, except that Thor is static. So there's like movement around and it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like trippy. And obviously it's playing off of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. One of the, the creepiest scenes from that film as well. But um, there's that. Uh, you already mentioned it, but one of my favorite shots is and moments in the film is when Thor is he's got like the spear and and he's hitting it on the ground, calling for Hela. Yeah, that's another good one. And there's a moment where the camera there's a dolly dolly shot, and uh, you just get this sense of scale with the empty halls in Asgard, and you've got the one lone figure on the throne uh, calling for you know his challenge. So there's there's a couple moments like that uh, throughout the film. Oh, and uh, this is also in uh, the moment when Hela gets hit by the lightning bolt. And she says, like, what are you the god of again, brother? And Thor has this, I don't, it, it's not a flashback, right? Because he's seeing his father again and they're having a new conversation. So vision, perhaps. Uh, but... But Thor says to his father, you know, I'm not as strong as you. And his father turns to him and says, no, you're stronger. 
and then there's another great dolly shot of of kind of Thor, you know, shrinking back down. And to me, that was going back to reality, right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of losing that vision, but also gaining more perspective uh, as the shot got wider. Yeah, that that's that's great. I, I had that too. I didn't describe it nearly as well as you did, though. So I'm just going to leave that uh, that one. The the last thing that I want, or actually two last things that I liked. Uh, is you have that extreme close-up of Mjolnir broken after Hela destroys it, which I remember even seeing that in the trailer. It was like, a, oh, crap, because we've seen how indestructible this thing is. You know, it just a, a great moment of characterization, right? Really, that you get to see just how powerful it is. Because we spent, what, four movies with Thor at this point already? A couple of his and a couple of Avengers movies. And then to see that happen. And then when you have... Uh, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know... The, the the shot you're describing with um with thor seeing his dad they they do that an earlier time too when he's in the arena fighting hulk and hulk's just pounding on his face before he kind of charges up it's kind of like foreshadowing for later right i mean it's very very much what it is is that when he does land the punch on hulk you get this extreme wide shot and you kind of see this ripple effect of it which is just so these very intentional super wide shots you just get to see the fallout of all of this stuff and there's just two little characters but the the power is you know you have to have room for this show the power definitely so um was that was that kind of your last cinematography you ready for some yeah. music Sound? let's talk about the music yeah so what, so what are just some of your thoughts so a, a couple of things i i always love the the mjolnir sound uh, as it's kind of flying around and that the, the that kind of ping, 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 as it's just taken out guys left and right. Um, electricity is always kind of a fun sound um, that they're making when, when Thor's kind of charging up. And But, you know, the, the sound that really sticks out to me in this one is when Hela's headdress thing happens, it's almost like a knives being pulled or being unsheathed. But she's kind of gearing up to kill somebody. It's a really interesting sound. And she kind of does it a couple of times. It's almost like a little overkill, just a little bit. For me, that she kind of goes back and forth that way, but every time she does, it's like things are about to get real. Yeah, um, that's great. I love the Mjolnir uh, sounds as well. I already mentioned uh, Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's a fantastic use of of that song in there. And um, I don't think we get a lot of pop music or as you know, popular music, real life Earth music, and a lot of Marvel films outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think it it stands out as a little bit uh, unusual for this film to to use it twice, once in the very beginning, and then once again towards uh, the end when he's fighting with with Hela. Yeah, and a great and a great choice for just because of the song's awesome, but also the fact that it you know references Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, it's always been there. Like, of course, there would be a <laughs> good theme song for Thor. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of diegetic music in, in this movie, though. You mentioned the Willy Wonka one. You also have Grandmaster, Grandmaster's jam session. He's playing a little bit there, and then you hear it also like on his on his leisure vessel, leisure vessel uh, a couple times. So uh, that's kind of fun. And I also did mention that the throne room scene, uh, it's called A New King. It's Patrick Doyle's uh, New mm-hmm. King that you hear at the beginning of uh, the first Thor movie. He's about to be crowned, and then, of course, you know the, the Frost Giants show up. But they, it's not it's kind of subtle. It's not super obvious that it happens, but if you're listening for it, I was like, oh, this sounds familiar. I looked it up and like, yep, that's the same one. So they've kind of, the arc that they started at the beginning of the first store, they've completed at the end of, of this film. 
Sure. And that's that's a great catch. And I think that's definitely, I did not catch that musical piece, but it's pretty obvious that's what they're going for in that moment, that he's finally, you know, a king, which it sounds like he may not be in Love and Thunder. So <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have, have to see. <laughs> have to see but yeah i mean most of the and it stands out to me too because most of the score is is pretty synthesizer heavy right it's um mark mothersbaugh you know from devo originally that's where most of us know him from uh and has done you know tons of animated stuff lego movies and, and whatnot uh and then it fits with this one it feels kind of like a video game in a lot of ways yep that's what i thought of but it, uh, it, i mean it felt like 80s arcade music yeah uh, and which fits with, you know, the arena and all of that stuff. And it just, it kind of just adds to the fun of the movie. Oh yeah. That, and it, it does fit really well with the color. Like it feels yep. like a colorful arcade, you know, arcade game. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice mix. Um, do you have anything else to sound before we move on to performance? We've kind of talked a lot about this stuff already. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I think that's the the big things I wanted to talk about. Uh, I kind of have already mentioned for sound, um, but as far as performance, what what did you think? I mean, I think it's solid all over. I, I don't think there's anybody that um, stands out as being being poor. I think that uh, uh, Hella is fantastic. I, I mean, Kate Blanchett is just amazing as a villain. She, I mean, she's a great actress period. She's so different. I, it's fun to, to say uh, for people that haven't seen it. Like, have you seen, you've seen Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. Like that's Galadriel. It's just like polar opposites uh, and completely convincing as both. And she's so good in everything that she's in. Um, and, you know, it's, she's evil for sure, but she's also strangely attractive, even though she's evil. Uh, so I think just a great character. She's a standout for me. And then, I mean, you have Jeff Goldblum in it and he's just playing Jeff Goldblum and that's always fun. But, you know, Chris Hemsworth is hilarious. Like that's the thing he didn't really get to do in the first two movies. And they're kind of just um, leaning into that a little bit more. And, you know, his rapport with, with uh, Tom Hiddleston is totally on point. So what about you? what did you think? Um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think the, the acting is, is all on point. Um, I think Hela is a great villain. Uh, I do think that it she's she's a little overpowered, but like that's kind of what they were going for. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, ah, that's that's fine, you know. That's that works. Um, I think that Thor is really he really steals the show with both uh, the comedic, you know, melodrama that he has. Uh, the moment when he's screaming out of the color Willy Wonka tunnel, you know, and then you also have the moment where he's sitting on the throne. So like I said, that's where it's like that, that balance. You both have the melodrama comedy, but also the very dramatic beats, you know, throughout the whole thing. And I think that's, that's pretty true for like all of them. Um, I do enjoy the, the very small piece with Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange. We haven't mentioned that yet. Uh, But that's, that's like a fantastic fun little scene, seeing Thor like completely out of place. Um, And again, that, that speaks to the the comedic timing uh, that Hemsworth has and and brings to the film. So like overall, I I think like there's nothing to complain about with the performances. Um, Did you have any, any favorite lines 
from the movie. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, it's, it's really hard to narrow it down. I mean, pretty much anything that Korg says, uh, the whole thing's a circle, but not a real circle, more like a freaky circle. Um, and of course, the that's exactly what Doug used to say. See you later, new Doug. <laughs> uh, so so great. The whole pamphlet joke about the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Didn't put off enough pamphlets. Uh, yep. <laughs> Nobody showed up except for my mom and her boyfriend. Boy, eight. Wait. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, I also had the uh, um, the the exchange between Thor and Hulk because yeah, it's kind of funny. You like Hulk and Banner are two different characters in this mm. one. And you get to hear. Hulk talk, which was a new thing for us when he says, you know, we're the same, you and I, just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, Thor like water. Kind of both like fire. But Hulk like real fire, Hulk like raging fire, Thor like smoldering fire. <laughs> Won't even let him have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that uh, one of my favorite lines, or re- really kind of series, is his last talk, uh, Thor's last talk with his father. And yeah. kind of culminating in like uh, that that moment when when he says like, "Are you Thor, the the god of hammers?" Mm. You know that hammer was there to channel your strength, and and for me that's kind of the apotheosis moment for him, yeah. where he like it clicks, um, and and so that like that's that's always kind of a favorite uh, of of mine. Uh, but there's there's a lot of great. Uh, comedy lines um uh from from everyone and like you said it's it's kind of hard to pick out just like one or two yeah i had that odin line too that when he says that are you thor the god of hammers like that's just like i'm ready to run through a brick wall line too it's like yes of course that's not what i am i'm you know he, he's it just oh man that rhetorical question is just just brilliant mm-hmm. um one thing that that jumped out to me too that i've always liked the line too where they're Bruce has to take take over flying the ship, and Thor says, "You're a scientist. He's one of your PhDs." He <laughs> says, "None of them are flying for flying alien spaceships." Yeah, and yet he's really good at flying alien spaceships. So <laughs> I, I don't. Know. It's funny in the moment, though. Yeah, it works. Um. So I'll I'll skip I'll skip down to uh, to body language. Um, oh, okay, I really yeah. liked. Um, Valkyrie's introduction because she comes off that ship and she's swaying. And at first you think she's being cocky and it's actually that she's drunk. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a fun reveal. She's like, she's swaying back. It's like, no, she just can't keep her balance. Which so that's kind of, a which fun is little. like set up for her story, which yeah. goes back to like what I was talking about with like the film is filled with really good, like setup and payoff. Yeah. Um, there's like a little, a little moment uh, when, with Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. Mm. And for the life of me, I didn't write it down. <laughs> but there's this moment where he's he's saying this line to Loki and to Thor. And he doesn't finish the sentence. He just kind of pauses. And Loki and Thor are kind of looking at each other like, what? And, and like that's just like... A, a great little moment of of both like writing and that acting of like yeah the grandmaster he's just weird like and you can tell with Goldblum's like movements and his his expressions that he's just a weird dude yeah God bless him <laughs> uh, speaking of him there one another uh, example of of body language that I really liked is there's a moment where. Uh, Thor has kind of powered himself up and he takes that the hammer 
and it swings it at Hulk and Hulk catches it. Mm -hmm. And you see, there's this really, you get to see the size of this couch. This couch is so big. You see Loki and Grandmaster both in profile, both both lean forward forward at exactly the same moment. And then it cuts, this whole thing's great. Then it cuts to Thor and you see Thor's face go from this nervous smile to just this, oh crap, what's about to happen? So the anticipation builds, you can just see it with both that body language and that facial expression. Just, I love that moment so much. Things are about to change. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a good segue into setting and design and props. Because there's a number of props uh, that are pretty important uh, throughout the whole film. Um, I think, obviously, you have Mjolnir. Um, I love the fact that it is disguised as an umbrella. Uh, it's also the um, kind of prop for several jokes of of Thor like reaching out for Molnir and it like not coming right away or hitting a ton of things as it comes. Um, you have uh, Scourge's uh, assault rifles. Yep. Which is the most unexpected prop out of all of them. <laughs> Uh, but again, it's like it, this is something that's just played for kind of a stupid joke at the beginning. And it ends up being the way that Scourge like redeems himself at the end is using those mm-hmm. assault rifles as he jumps off of the ship to save the Asgardians. So it's like, again, there's that moment of like, here's you know a little sprinkling of something at the beginning, which is very easy to dismiss or write off as just like, like, like I said, just a, you know, random joke, whatever. Uh, but then it actually plays like a larger part for that character later on. Yeah, as he kind of redeems himself. Because right. he's very much played as a joke at the beginning, you know, him with the shake weight and all that other stuff. Yep. And yeah, lots of jokes about his stuff. His and stuff. Then, yeah, his stuff's actually fairly important. <laughs> uh, I love the refillable beer mm. that, you know, you mentioned that the scene with, with Doctor Strange, which is just classic. Uh, the fake Infinity Gauntlet was a nice nod to, you know, is that in Thor one? I think it is. I think so. Uh, when they're going, when they're going through the kind of the the treasury there, and we see it, and it's you know the wrong way, it's on the wrong hand, and so that was like, hey, that's a, you know, they messed up, and they're like, no, 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 we, this was this was intentional the whole time. Uh, which and then of course then this, there's the Tesseract, and she makes a mention, you know, oh, that's not bad. Uh, I love that hair cutting machine uh, that oh, Stanley yeah. pulls out. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And you know, a couple other things, the, the shock remote, which comes into play pretty, I mean, how else do you neutralize Thor? You got to have him like on a little mini taser thing. And then that big old melt stick. Oh, right. Yeah. It's just hilarious. I, and it looks so innocuous, like, <laughs> yeah. And then totally unexpected. Uh, it melts someone completely. Yeah. And pardon you from life. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is, is filmed on sound stages and that's kind of just, you know, what you would experiment. They're not going to go to outer space and do these things other than you get it, but it is filmed in Australia, which is fun. Um, for the most part and, and uh, Tambourine National Park, which I'm assuming is where you have the, uh, the Norway scenes. I'm assuming mm-hmm. yeah, those are outside. That's most likely where, where that was filmed. And that's nice. Just as a refreshing kind of break from, from what's happening when they get out of New York. Um, and they go out in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of a break from what's going to happen, but also right before you get to hell, you know, all hell literally breaking loose. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on some of the, the other sets like before, um, Sakaar being so crazy colorful. Uh, it's, I think it's like a really inventive like setting. I'm not sure if that actually comes from the comics or not. Um, but I do kind of love this idea of this kind of toxic waste pit, uh, on these different like location, like planes of the universe. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if those are the right words within the MCU, but it's like, this is where all the trash goes. And, you know, it's like, oh, and you've got these spaceships and there's this society, you got this time, like it's this whole little like mini adventure, uh, but in the trash planet. So I just think that's like a, a very inventive way where, a lot of Thor 1 is kind of placed on, like, random places on Earth. And Thor 2, you've got, like, um, I, I want to say it's, like, Helheim and then, like, London, I think, is the other location. Yeah. And so it's, like, again, you're just using some something that's very different, going to new locations, uh, expanding the story from there. Yeah, I had to look it up, too. They actually go to, um, what's the, the, hell, the hell dimension? It's... Uh... Musel, Muspelheim. I pardon my accent there, but that was also fun that we have that environment. That's where we start the film. We start in hell, um, which is kind of interesting. What does that say metaphorically? <laughs> oh no, Thor's in a cage. <laughs> um, the great part. You think it's voiceover, and it's actually not. He's talking to a skeleton. Talking to a skeleton. Um, Hulk has a giant skull for a bed. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Not sure what kind of creature that is. I'm sure someone knows. Please let us know if you're listening. <laughs> uh, I love the gladiator armor and and, yeah. and stuff. That's fun. Oh, I did have one other costume thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, I know this is out of order, but that's cool. Uh, when Valkyrie puts the uniform back on as a way to kind of reclaim her identity, it's kind of it's played in that way, uh, where she's, yep, I'm resuming who I was before, and so that's that's kind of a fun. Uh, and very intentional costume change. Mm-hmm. So those are always cool to look for. Uh, anything else um, setting design-wise before we move on? Uh, no, I think I think I talked about uh, everything for that. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention, you know, Scourge. We talked. We've talked. It seems like we have this kind of redeem uh, this theme going through with with characters having not changed, but mm-hmm. being revealed. Right where he. He's a guy we at the, initially he you know he meets Thor and he's like yeah we fought together and all that stuff and then he kind of gets sucked into the whole hell of thing and then he reveals that he actually is brave you know it's not development I don't think it's much as a re- revert he's reverting to who he'd been originally yeah uh, yeah but I think we talked about all the main characters we get um, a little bit more for Heimdall to do in this film yeah than he had in previous ones which is kind of interesting I'm a little bit more. Uh, just work to do for the character. Yeah. I always forget that he, that uh, Idris Elba is even in this <laughs> because he has so little to do. Yeah. Right. And he's like just covered in armor and he's got those weird contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do a whole lot. So I'm like, oh yeah, he's in these movies. And this one, I'm like, oh yeah, hey, Idris Silva's in this movie. <laughs> uh, we also have, of course, um, some random cameos, which is just played for last where you have Sam Neill, playing Odin. Matt Damon shows up as Loki, which yep. is just out of nowhere. And um, Chris's brother, Luke, plays the Thor actor, which is fun. Uh, and of course, you had some uh, 
I think my favorite moment of diegetic music is where you have the choir actually singing. You think it's non-diegetic, but actually they're there. Yeah. And the camera gets to them. And that's fun. Yeah. So I think that's it for characters. Yeah, I think so. You know, we mentioned um, under world building, I just had it. It's really one of the most comic booky of the MCU. It feels like it's just ripped from the comics. doesn't feel like it's trying to adapt art. I mean, there's nothing on earth other than a brief scene with strange and, and of course the, the Norway stuff, but uh, it feels very outlandish, uh, but I buy in. Yeah. And um, I, I think that that's part of the reason why I love it is the fact that it feels wacky and out there, but also very much like a comic book uh, with the bright colors. Uh, It's also got like a lot of heart, like for such a goofy film, you have the moments when like Thor is like realizing who he is and like what he's supposed to be. Um, and you have that the, really the same with like Scourge. You have the same with Valkyrie. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Loki has this, I don't want to quite call it a turn, but it's like he's clearly trying to be better than he was. So like this is also one of the, the films where it's like Loki's on a bit of a redemption arc himself. I don't think he's there in this film, but he's definitely not like just pure evil. <laughs> mm, true. Uh, so it's like there's a lot of redemption going on uh, throughout the whole film, which I think is like it's it's heartfelt and and adds something that's that's missing. I think from uh, some of the comic book movies that I I don't like. Uh, and, and so that's like, I appreciate that it's got the humor, it's got the, you know, comic book hero stuff I would expect to see, but it's also got that heart uh, thrown in as well. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead. If you're good and head down to, to final thoughts, cause that kind of bridges nicely with, <laughs> yeah. with, with my thought, like the theme of the film is, you know, the Asgard's not a place, it's a people. Yes. You know, learning to let go of what's not important which I think it's, it, there's kind of a meta thing with that too, where we're like, you know, the, Thor doesn't have to have long hair. He doesn't have to have beyond from, you know, on the planet Asgard, he doesn't need his hammer, all of these things. And I think Lart, you know, in the, the, the bigger in the grand scheme and in, in like an actual life lesson, you know, it's, it really is about letting go mm-hmm. and accepting your place you know, in the world as, as Thor does. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, um, you know, it makes sense that this is, I think one of the most popular Marvel films that it's got those three, you know, legs to stand on for, for the film. You've got the humor, which I think works. You've got the normal Marvel action, which works. I mean, um, Suter coming and destroying, uh, Asgard, right. With the fire sword and the flame. And then you've got Hela shooting the, the needles up at him. And there's, there's tons of action, uh, and then you've got some nice thematic work as well. So it's like, I don't know how much more you could ask from a film. Yeah. I mean, this is one that really made me like Thor as a character. You know, he's he's barely in um, the second uh, Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the first two Thor movies okay. But this was the one where it's like, I think he feels more relatable. Yeah. Um, and of course, being funny is is always something that's attractive and something that you want to yeah. latch on to and you want to see more of. And I think that's, yeah, I think what we're hoping for, for Love and Thunder, that it's, uh, 
you know, that we want to see more of that character. Mm-hmm. We also we want to see more of Korg. We want to see. Um, it'll be interesting that there's no Loki for him. That'll be an interesting thing to see if if they deal with that. Well, of course, we also have the return of Jane Foster, and so that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, she's noticeably absent from this film, and, and so and she's going to be Thor. Yeah, mighty mighty Thor. Yeah, and then I just saw some news today where it's only like 119 minutes. Yeah, I saw that too. It's like the shortest Marvel film in the last five years. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because like if you have a story that you want to tell and that's a 119-minute story, then like that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Taika Waititi's second Thor movie. So the first one, maybe there was a learning curve. And, you know, maybe at this point it's just like I know what I exactly want to do. And yeah, this is where it's at. So that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> yep. So as we close, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback, and it really helps us get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies.